today on 2C Fans. Crab trap pots are, you know, yeah. we have the classic example of Scrappy or a dolphin that um, got tangled in a bathing suit. You know, any yeah. any kind of piece of article of clothing, yeah. you know, that's left yeah. on a beach accidentally can, you know, entangle animals. We have packing straps around animals. We've had to rescue some a dolphin and What's Things the like weirdest that. thing you found on an animal? Probably that bathing suit. That bathing suit. <laughs> it was a Speedo, wasn't it? That was. That was scra- Scrappy's, our famous uh, Speedo dolphin bathing suit. But Hello, welcome to 2C Fans at Moat Marine Laboratory. I'm Haley Rutger. And I'm Joe Nicholson. And we are here with Kim Bassos Hall. Hi, Kim. Hi, Haley. Hi, Joe. Hello. So tell us what your title is here at Moat. I am a senior biologist. Um, I've been working at Moat since 1990. Um, most of my job has been focused with the Dolphin Research Program, which is uh, Chicago Zoological Society's Sarasota Dolphin Research Program, yeah. based here at Moat, and it's been studied the world's longest population of dolphins. And that's uh, with Randy Wells. Research, with Dr. Randy Wells, correct. Yes. So the, the longest study of a dolphin population, that, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, so Very right cool. here in our backyard, yeah. we, have, <laughs> we know the most about these dolphins. Anywhere, but um, so yeah, so that's um, part of my job here. And in more recent years, the last like eight, nine years or so, I've been working with our our high school intern program. So doing kind of a mentoring with our high school students with different research topics. And um, since 2009, heading up the Ray uh, research program as part of the Sharks and Rays Conservation Research Program. So where did you come from? Where Where is Kim from? <laughs> where does she, where were you born? I'm an East Coast girl. I was born in Connecticut. Really? Um, I had a little bit of uh, interaction with the sea going down to the Connecticut shoreline and having a chance to do whale watches off of uh, Cape Cod and off Provincetown. And that's kind of what got me interested in marine mammals. And that kind of took me all the way to the University of California, Santa Cruz, where I did my undergraduate master's research on, um, on dolphins because I had a good... Uh, uh, marine mammal program there and by meeting dr randy wells there it brought me here to florida to do research with the population here so so ghost slugs <laughs> so banana say, slugs that's slugs, right Haley's yeah. A... yeah i was gonna say isn't that the banana slug it that's is. your uh, mascot I, yeah. am, I am part banana slug because that's where i did my science journalism program oh, yeah. it's a great great place but um yeah. yep now here we are back both in florida so we, uh, you have worked with lots of different animals, but um, we, we brought you here especially to talk about how, you, how those animals and uh, the marine environment, how they're related to marine debris, the plastic pollution and other kinds of um, the stuff we throw into the ocean. How is that affecting the animals you work with? Right. Well, you know, I think by, you know, I, I came here in 1990 and um, spent a lot of time on the water doing surveys. And over time, you know, we begin to see see the impacts on on wildlife, both through like entanglement and stranded animals, ingestion of, you know, just uh, debris and stuff like that. And you see these trends and by getting that perspective, we realize, um, you know, there's some increasing problems with it. And so in 2005, I was able to actually become part of the Florida Entanglement Working Group, which is a group of um, people from state nonprofit organizations trying to figure out what was happening with wildlife become becoming um, 
problems for marine debris and entanglement. If there's a whole working group for it, that makes it sound like it's pretty serious. I mean, <clears throat> statewide, I mean, and beyond Florida. Well, but yeah, you know, worldwide even. How prevalent is it? Like, how often do they get entangled in or eat, eat debris? Well, and that's one of the things that came up in this group is that we really needed to do a study on it. So hence, uh, we collaborated on this publication that came out in 2014 with Adamy, Nicole Adamy et al. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looked at stranding data from um, 1997 through 2009 and how many dolphins, manatees, sea turtles came in, you know, having some sort of impact with, with fishery gear. Um, you know, d- derelict gear such as um, hook and line gear or stuff from trap pots, like crab, crab trap pots. So we wanted to understand that and have some concrete numbers and that allows, you know, managers to kind of understand trends and where hot spots in the state are. So is, it, is it just, uh, I'm sorry, Haley, is it just like fishing gear or is it like basically just any trash like i know the the uh soda can ring thing was a a big deal a few years back it still is a big deal but was that something that was prevalent even back then yeah well that particular study did involve just looking at like potentially derelict fishing gear but um realizing that um Species are also impacted by marine debris, ingestion of plastics. Um, some of the ingestion stuff in stomachs was non-fishery gear-related stuff. I mean, one dolphin had a plastic rubber snake in it. So it just shows wow. that <laughs> you, you never know what they're going to eat. And, um, and, you know, in the sea turtles, you know, recently we've had mm. an yeah, issue with turtles. some of our te- sea turtle hatchlings uh, coming back. And, you know, over 70% of them had stomachs full of little pieces of plastic. So. Yeah. You know, we're trying to understand um, not just entanglement, but ingestion and other impacts that marine debris can cause to our wildlife. Just any foreign matter, I guess, right? Right. Anything that, if they eat something, um, are, are, what, how can the, what's the outcome going to be? Do, do they all die? Do most of them live? I mean... Uh, how bad can that be for them? <laughs> I think it depends on, you know, how, how much, uh, you know, where it goes, whether it's they're able to pass it through their digestive system. Part of the concern of the ingestion of plastics is the feeling of fullness is they're not getting adequate nutrition. So mm-hmm. an animal mm-hmm. might eat something and feel full, but yet it's giving them no nutritional uh, resources. So and all in all, that it decreases their immune response and all things like that. So, and by the time an animal strands, it's already really sick, isn't it? Typically, yes. And um, when when it's an entanglement, though, sometimes we will see animals swimming around with entangling gear on them, like the Not, manatees towing like a you know yeah something a, a crab trap or something. Yeah, crab them. trap pots are you know yeah. we have the classic example of Scrappy, our dolphin that. Um, got tangled in a bathing suit. You know, yeah. any any kind of yeah. piece of article of clothing, yeah. you know, that's left yeah. on a beach accidentally can, you know, entangle animals. We have packing straps around animals. We've had to rescue some a dolphin and what's the like weirdest that. thing you found on an animal? Probably that bathing suit. That bathing suit. <laughs> <laughs> it was a speedo, wasn't it? That was. That was scra- Scrappy's our famous uh, speedo dolphin bathing suit. But we did um, have to rescue him to yeah. take it off because it was starting to, you know, kind of embed and indent. And, you know, dolphins are naturally curious, and so sometimes, you know, they end up playing with things. Um, But another thing that has increasingly happened is, you know, we've seen more dolphins hanging out around fishing boats or depredating fishing line. And so um, it's possible that some of the entanglement might happen in more of an active way. And that's one of the things we're trying to understand and also reach out to fishermen to to talk to them about responsibly fishing around wildlife and if, if the dolphins are being problematic you know, we give them tips and suggestions on things that they can do and things they can do to, 
you know, uh, store their fishing line, you know, mm -hmm. um, and properly dispose of it or recycle it. Yeah. Um, besides the fishing gear interaction, uh, because I think a lot of people have heard about animals entangling and or eating that kind of stuff. Are there angles to uh, marine debris that would surprise most people? What about those tiny bits of plastic? Yeah, so yeah. so there's th those are called microplastics, and those are when we were talking about the ingestion thing is that even things as small as like these tiny pieces of plastic are getting in things like zooplankton. Ooh. And, of course, that's a trophic. They work their way up the food chain. The and littlest, well, some of the littlest uh, animals or organisms in the ocean. Yeah, Exactly. Oh, I like that word, too, a trophic. Tro <laughs> trophic, the levels of the food web. Yeah. 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 So the way that they, yeah, it works its way up the food chain. So the little things eat, the big things eat the little things, and then the so slightly you, bigger things eat those. And so. So you kids need to use that word in a sentence in school tomorrow. A trophic. Right. Trophic. 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 Yeah. Trophic. Not, uh, not atrophic. Trophic. No, yeah. Just just trophic, trophic interactions, eating and yeah. being eaten in the food web. So, okay, yeah. so we have we have microplastics. And another part of marine debris that people don't think of it as much is, um, you know, some of these pieces, a uh, big plastic bag can do smothering effects. So we have to think about habitat impacts, mm. um, plastic bags getting around corals, for instance, and smothering and blocking out sunlight. Um uh, we think of a type of marine debris people don't often think of is a derelict fishing boat, you know, a boat hmm. that's nobody's taken care of. And that can break free of moorings, hit, you know, for instance, take out a whole portion of a coral reef and do damage yep. that way. So those are some different types of marine debris. You know, you have both the entanglement, the ingestion, but the habitat damage by smothering and um and actual physical damage. Yeah, the boat thing is, uh, I didn't know how big a deal that was until, you know, I thought about it during Hurricane Irma, a lot of boats were washed around, you know. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Which brings us up to the, like, the whole, is the marine debris issue in Florida getting worse or is it getting better or is it, you know, with the whole... Uh... So, so the hard thing about it is, I mean, we do have, um, you know, for instance, the um, Ocean Conservancy has been collecting data during their coastal cleanup. So there is a degree of, data that was tracked, you know, over a period of time. And we can kind of get some data from that. I can give you my personal reflection is, you know, I've been on the water here for 27 years now. And um, I have seen, you know, an increase in population around the waters, but also I see more marine debris on the water. I see more boats. Um, you know, so what percentage of that is coming from more boater use versus, you know, the the land shore interaction? Um, what what I've heard is a statistic about 80% of marine debris comes from land-based sources. Wow. So, and I can tell you I do, you know, I do a lot of walking and running around the community, and I mm -hmm. do see a lot on roadsides and things like that in areas like over going over the tops of bridges and things, things like that. So I, I imagine that sometimes we have to think about that trash that's along roadsides or in parks or at beaches that aren't properly contained, and what can we do to be better about containing those and... Well, and it's in the long life of, of plastic products, you know, you, we use them in everything and they can wash down from what the heartland of America, correct? Yeah. So if you're talking about down to some of our river systems and in our waterways. So, um, yeah, it's important to start with marine debris in the, the heart of our country. Yeah. Mm. And uh, how do you personally work on the issue? I know you do a lot. <laughs> So you and your colleagues, what kind of actions do you take and how do you inspire other people? Right. Well, we, you know, like um, try to get out. Like I, I like to try to when I'm talking to friends or students, I try to talk about like 
think about eating sustainably, drinking sustainably, shopping sustainably. What can you do to yourself? You have to start with your personal actions, right? So changes you can do. You know, I started using reusable bags years ago. Um, those are some things that, you know, I bring up. The water bottles, um, stopped using those years ago. I have one I carry around, refill all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when I'm shopping, I just try to think of, like, what can I buy that has the least amount of packaging? Or can I get, like, cardboard packaging instead of you know plastic what? packaging? Or One of the most interesting things that um, we learned recently is we were kind of doing some marine debris research. Uh, you know, I was reading about microplastics in clothes. I had no idea how many um, uh, synthetic fibers off of clothes are, you know, a source of microplastics. That's that's a lot of the microplastics in the water. <laughs> yeah, and it gets washed out through, like, because our wastewater systems right now can't handle those small yeah. pieces of plastic. So one of the things we might think about do doing is not washing a pair of piece of clothing every time we wear it just once. Mm. Well, Smell and, it. And, and we'll end up, yeah, right? <laughs> Smell it. Smell it. And, and we'll end up ingesting that stuff as well as it, you know, goes into the, uh, the uh, uh, water source. Yeah. And um, the other thing is, is I heard about glitter. Glitter is like really? supposed to be there, really yes. bad. Yep. Um, huh. it, it's so small and, and, and passes right through filters and everything. And it's da- glitter's the new right. evil. Yeah. Mike, it was microbeads. Now it's glitter. So, you know, just thinking about things that could potentially break off and get, you know, non-natural uh, products that are getting into our oceans and could be no more glitter ingested. for you Haley. okay <laughs> tell those fairies to stop no more glitter. <laughs> tell the tooth fairy to stop sprinkling glitter okay yeah um but yeah that's that's a bummer you know i was a little girl once i played with glitter all the time <laughs> I know. well you still do yeah. i've seen you no you haven't yes i have well and speaking of, speaking of kids you know like one of the things you say how do we inspire i think one of the things you like we have our our um, students get out and actually help with uh, coastal cleanups and collect data from these cleanups. Cool. And I think having them engaged and out there, they really can kind of see. They see. They see the heart of the problem. And then we come back and we they, they get a real handle on how much is out there. And then we can talk and say, like, well, what are things that you can personally do to reduce? What are things that you can, you know, pass on to your family members, your peers, your friends? Yep. Um, change some actions. It has to start from the individual. And then, you know, and then we talk about, how we can reach out to, um, you know, more vendors in the local area. What are things they can do to create more sustainable um, products that they're putting out there? Yeah, you know, I heard um, from our aquarium team that, you know, our diner has replaced some of their plastic with paper stuff, like um, no. even paper straws they've started to. Excellent. Yeah, like their utensils that. are all bamboo or wood. Are they? Yeah. Oh. It's all uh, either renewable or um, biodegradable. Definitely been making some changes. It's exciting. You can't even get a lid for your your cup anymore. Oh, really? No plastics. That's in a lot of aquariums and zoos, Mm -hmm. and it's a smart smart move because that's the first thing that if it's blown into a you know an enclosure or a tank that the animals might ingest so mm-hmm. smart move that is a smart move um and real quick um i just wanted to talk about one specific case where i saw you and uh your colleagues educating some kids you had these high school students that were um moat alumni interns at the you know at the campus a week or two ago they were uh, they were filtering water to find uh, if there's microplastics, and they were um, collecting fishing line and measuring that for you guys, and they were also dissecting fish. And I was kind of saddened by what they found in some cases. Do you want to say what they were 
seeing. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we <laughs> we were kind of doing, a, like approaching it from all the different angles, like what was found out in the environment, what was found ingested in the animal, yeah. and what was found just floating around in the water. And in all cases, we were finding plastics from the tiniest little fibers to little pieces of plastics and some of the, the fish gut contents to the obvious of the fishing line that was on the ground. And we just wanted to you know, quantify how much was out there um, that had been collected. And again, that's another case of the students really getting, you know, that hands-on approach of seeing, you know, this stuff, it's real. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's there. And so we need to think about um, stopping the flow to get in into the oceans. Yeah, we were pretty um, lucky to, I, I felt lucky to go there and, and learn and actually see it with my own eyes. And we had people from the Florida Microplastic Awareness Project there, which is really cool. Whoa, we, I had no idea there was even such a thing. You didn't? Had no idea. Ha, ha! You learned something. I did. Well, it's it's very cool. They have, I guess you would call them coordinators um, in different parts of the state, and they're helping people, citizen science-wise, uh, collect data on that issue, I guess. It's my understanding. Hmm. <clears throat> um, and we had somebody from uh, Sarasota Bay Watch, and I think it was Palmetto High School. Is that yes, right? Yes, a high school teacher. So we had a whole bunch of um, about a bunch of smart people helping these high schoolers. Well, it's good to it's good to see that we. Uh... Yeah. We're doing that. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm always impressed when I see how many different groups around us are have some kind of marine debris reducing initiative. That's pretty cool. Nice. So I wanted to ask you, Kim, um, like for the future, you know, what's the, what's the next step in reducing marine debris? Well, or, I uh, think like one of the things that we're working on with having the students are very involved in collecting data from our piers and our bridges and our jetties yeah. all around Sarasota and Manatee mm -hmm. County. And so this provides a data set that we can next go to, you know, perhaps county or, you know, um, city or county managers with a work with the waste management and say, look, these areas are problems. Identify areas where maybe waste receptacles might be handy, better signage. Um, we also, you know, in some of these areas where there's excess fishing line, maybe putting up some fishing line recycling containers in these areas, engaging with anglers to talk about bridge and pier fishing and, you know, trying to reduce their footprint around these areas. But we've been doing that already for years, talking about, you know, putting out the, the line receptacles and, and trying to get, you know, less uh, fisher gear mm -hmm. out there in the wild um, is it making it's not making that big a dent though it's in the problem is it's not in all the places that it should be and I can tell you from mm -hmm. being out on some of these areas there's there's not enough trash cans I mean you go I've been after some weekends and garbage cans are overflowing and so it's it's a possibly that it's it just you know we need to have better waste management practices or um, you know, I'll give you an example. I was just in Australia and I went, I did a lot of walking and biking and stuff there. And it was amazing the amount of signs and waste receptacles. And right next to them, every trash can was a recycling can and fishing line recycling. So they really had it in very well documented and, in, you know, pretty um, spread in a, you know, areas that people could use them pretty frequently. Mm -hmm. So you know, I feel like we're a little bit behind the curve there. Well, as far as the recycling there. goes, yeah, mm -hmm. the, this country is way far behind. Like in other countries, they even do their own. Every home has to do compost right. recycling. Exactly. Um, yeah. You can't throw you know food waste yeah. into the trash. But I, it's, I, it's different by state too in the U.S. Of yeah. course, you know. I, I think there's I think there's room for improvement, and I think that's where we collect the data and we provide it to them. And say, look, these are areas we saw some problems, so this we can make only you know make suggestions, but. 
And, uh-huh. the, and I want to like plug, if I can, this what you guys um, released this year is the, a whole Florida marine debris reduction guidance plan with the state. Um, you worked with all kinds of partners on that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, so that is a is a great group, and we were we've been meeting for three years. There's five main groups. I am actually co lead with a colleague from Florida Fish and Wildlife on the Wildlife and Habitat Impacts Working Group. So we're looking at strategy, you know, what are our goals to reduce marine debris on those in those areas and what are our strategies and actions? So that's been part of putting this document together. Mm-hmm. And we're really looking for, you know, stakeholder input on that, but also we put forward, you know, some ideas. One of the things that was definitely put forward is we need more data to assess, um, you know, what some of these impacts are. So in terms of getting good data, um, it's not just the scientist's job alone, but um, people, anybody can give you data um, in, in some ways, right? Absolutely. We, there's actually uh, an app out there you can download on your phone. It's really cool. And we've been trying to promote that and get people to kind of join our team. It's called the um, Marine Debris Tracker app. And um, it's very easy to use, and um, it collects the exact location you're picking up the marine debris so or documenting seeing it. So um, it's very helpful to us. It gives us direct data. It goes right to a website that we can easily download, or anybody could actually see it. Students could use it to document an area what they see. I tried it so. this year. Yeah, I tried it with um, some students from Ringling College. We had to clean up the summer for their student service project. Oh, yeah. They, you know, it was really, we were out there for two hours, and they got hundreds and hundreds of pieces of marine debris from one of our local um, beaches, and they were able to put it in there, find out, you know, what were the most prevalent items they got, they were able to submit it under the list for um, your program, the Sarasota Dolphin Research Program. So you can, like, d- directly give data to that program. Yeah, no, it's great. And our, our high school interns, for instance, over the last uh, two years, they've been doing these bridge and pier surveys, um, as I had mentioned. And with the Marine Debris Tracker app, all this stuff was entered. They um, collected over 4,500 pieces of trash Whew. in over a kilometer and a half of fishing line. Wow. So, so it's giving us some real data that, you know, that we can That's a lot. With. Oh, my God. I can't, yeah. yeah, I can't even think of a kilometer of fishing line. That's, that's serious. That's serious. But, you know, and we have, what do we have coming up here, though, Hales? Yeah, I, I, I've been waiting to plug it. <laughs> We've got a really cool exhibit coming up um, very soon. It's, it opens December 9th, 2017, and it goes through June 15th, 2018, and it's called Sea Debris, Awareness Through Art. And uh, Kim and I have been talking a lot around this because she's got, you know, the peer-reviewed studies on marine debris, and we want to share that kind of thing along with this exhibit. And the exhibit is um, these traveling sculptures made out of marine debris from Oregon. It's super cool. Yeah, and I, I, I feel like I'm um, very grateful to Moat for bringing an exhibit like that here because I think it's a really amazing opportunity to start a conservation conversation. Like, why is this cool piece? This is a really cool piece of art, but why is it here? And um, and and Moat will have signage with suggestions about like conservation actions that individuals can take, and you know things that people might not think of. Some stuff's more obvious, but some stuff is is not as obvious. So as they walk around, it'll really get people thinking, and you know maybe it will implement them to make a slight change. And because you have yeah. no idea about you know how you know, embedded plastic is in our lives. Like, just look at us sitting here, you know, plastic table, plastic everywhere. Yeah, on, you know, the, on, on the our, earphones, on, heads, on the mics. It's every, <laughs> plastic's everywhere. In my shirt, yeah, on yeah, my yeah, iPhone, yeah, iPhone case. Yeah, uh, 
and, uh, and it just takes yeah. a little bit of, you know, reminding people of, you know, listen, that water bottle is made of plastic. Your mm-hmm. hairband that falls off on the boat and goes in the water, that's made of plastic. Right. And I and I like to try to really implement, the, of course, we have the three R's, reduce, reuse, recycle. I really try to get people to think about, you know, r- reduction first. Do I need that? Can mm-hmm. I, like, hand carry out the two items I have instead of putting them in, in a, a bag. Ba- plastic bag? Yeah. And then reusing stuff. You know, I, I just ate a big thing of yogurt, for instance. Like, I get I get the big yogurt container and mm-hmm. have a week's worth of yogurt. Oh. Mm-hmm. And then I just reuse that for, like, storing my, you know, my food, my leftovers. So I try Sorry. to think about reusing stuff instead of buying extra Tupperware. You know, so th- thinking of things like that. Think yeah, of it's great. the apocalypse. And <laughs> you'll never be able to buy another... <laughs> <laughs> reuse. Is it the apocalypse, Joe? Well, no, you just think that way and you can reuse. <laughs> so you're advocating yeah. for some apocalypse. I, I think I may be advocating for a little bit of apocalypse. You know, that, that's here. pretty dark. Well, <laughs> <laughs> my motto is less trash, more fun. Oh. More fun. Well, that's. That sounds like, a lot oh, more you, cheery than my yeah. apocalyptic view. <laughs> yeah. You bring your bag to the store, you might get a discount in some places. That's fun. Really? If you go shopping, it might be fun to hunt for the clothes that are less synthetic. It can be mm. fun. Yeah. So I'm trying Hunting to come... Hunting for clothes. Yeah. Ooh. Not, come, not fun for Joe. <laughs> yeah, i kind of coming up with like... Uh, like be part of the solution to reduce plastic pollution. Yeah. Ooh, that's Eat got sustainably, a little, drink that. sustainably, and that, shop sustainably. That, so, that rhymed a little bit there. Yeah, yeah. we've got a few <laughs> few new memes here. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's well. That's going to be. I, we can't wait for the um, exhibit because that's the kind of thing that we're trying to get across, and we're trying to encourage more people to share that kind of stuff, especially through social media. And so, when you come to the aquarium, look for Kim. She'll be hanging out there. Like all the time? Like all, no, no, no. She's got a real, real job too. I think, I think she's gonna move her desk out there. <laughs> no, Kim is Kim goes all around, all over the place doing all kinds of cool work. We're lucky to have her here today. Um, I just want to remind everybody that you know, uh, even before the exhibit gets here, you can find some of these tips on Moat's website at uh, moat.org forward slash debris. You can find a list of tips along with a list of events, including, I think, one that Kim's going to be part of. So, yeah. Did you have anything you guys wanted to, to add before we... Kim? Yeah. I so... just appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity to come out and talk about, um, you know, talk about this issue. I think it's important. And, um, you know, I, and I do think, you know, for next generation's sake, we... We know, need to do something. Yes. 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 Well, thank you very much for joining us here today. And Haley. Okay, well, we'll see you in another two weeks for another great episode of 2C Fans at Moat.